cola hoyo Good afternoon, Troubadours. How are you doing? Are you good? I hope you're well. I'm recording this from a sunny day in Glasgow. It's good to see the sun back out and about. Welcome to You Call That Audio, which is similar to You Call That Radio TV, except you can't see me. I don't think you can, anyway. Today's episode features probably the biggest legend we've ever had in our show, ever. Martin Youth Glover. You might know him as the bassist of Killing Joke, the founder of The Orb, and I can bet that you have at least a few of his albums or his vinyl or his production in your collection. His production discography is second to none. He's made three albums with Paul McCartney as part of his band, The Fireman. He's produced some of my favourite ever albums, such as The Verve's Urban Hymns, Pink Floyd's last ever album, The Endless River, and one of my all-time favourites that I always play when I guess that was spring and summertime, HMS Fable from Shaq. An absolute classic. He's also worked with the likes of The Charlatans, Embrace, U2, Crowded House, Dido, The Music, James, The Cult, just to name a few. He also makes art. He's a writer. Makes some incredible trance music these days from his home in the Spanish mountains where he hosts an annual interactive music festival called Space Mountain. It's an absolutely beautiful part of the world. I've been there before myself. And it was just great to speak to him. He's a very interesting, witty and humble man. Really appreciate him taking the time to speak to me. Now, I know, I know the format for these shows is usually some daft skits and bonus material before we get to the interview itself. But today we're just going to get right into it because there's just not enough hours in the day right now. And the good news is there's no time because I'm very lucky to be busy as well as the, you call that radio TV uh, live streams that, are on, that we do on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash you call that radio. We've also been adding blogs to the you call that.com website. And now also, it seems like bookings are coming back in for actual real events, some live stream events as well, but it looks like real gigs are coming back soon. And I've also been busy recording music. I've been working on new Gyro Baby songs. Uh, my label, Traffic Cone Records, has been involved in helping release Minerva Wake's amazing new album. I'm practically finished the new Jackal Trades album, which is going to be called At This Point. And none of this would have been possible were it not for the support of the Patreons out there that have been supporting me for the last year or so at patreon.com forward slash you call that radio. There's no paywall. I realise people are skint. So if you're skint, then please enjoy the, all the podcasts, all the stuff on our channel, all the blogs, all the events that we're doing, all the interactive events that we're doing. Enjoy them for free. But if you can't afford the price of a pint or the price of a coffee, then please go to patreon.com forward slash you call that radio. It really does help keep all the show going and me going as well. 
And thank you to everybody. I really don't know what I would have done without you this year. Now, Jackal Trade should have a video and a single called March to March dropping next week. And we're also playing our first full live band gig since 2018, since we played the famous Glasgow Barrel and Ballroom for the Trip Hazard Advisor launch. This isn't going to be quite an album launch because we'll do the album launch probably a month later. But a new single, a new video and a live stream gig. We're bringing back Dr. Jazzlan and Martin Windybank. I'm really excited to be working with them again. And we'll be doing it live in real time on April the 30th. We'll be performing alongside Steg G, Freestyle Master, Impress, CCTV and Solarai, aka Dave Hook from Stanley Odd. Also on the bill is Loki and Becky Wallace. Dope Sick Fly and The Girl Who Cried Wolf. Absolutely buzzing for it. Tickets are £8 to tune in live or £10 if you would like an interactive ticket. And that means that we can see you and hear you on a big wall of Zoom. Briefly, what a wall of Zoom is, is that it's like we can see you on a big wall. About I think the first 100 people, there's only 100 tickets available for the interactive, but that means we can see you on the, the big wall and we can hear you as well. We can react to you in real time and stuff. Um, so if you like the idea that, of that, then it's pretty as interactive as it gets, then it's £10. Or if you just want to watch it, it's £8. Now, no, none of that is taking a penny from this gig. All proceeds are going to two amazing charities, Refugee, that helps refugees settle in Glasgow, and Sunny Govan FM, which is a very important part of the music scene and the wider community in Glasgow. They both need your help right now. So, yeah, just look up Immersive TV and Facebook or online and you'll see the tickets for it. That's on April the 30th. And like I said, the album's at this point. It should be dropping next month. I just want to thank uh, Murfamish, who is actually mixing the album. And if you're a regular listener of You Call That Radio, you'll know that Murfamish is the, the guy who makes things happen. He's been mastering all the audio for him a, a couple of years now. So it's been good to kind of finally work on some music with them rather than just podcast and mad wee daft skits. Uh, you call that.com is our website, which recently launched too. It's the best place to keep up with all the podcasts, the live streams, the blogs, the events, and the various things that we're doing just now. Thanks to my mate Martin for helping us with that one as well. Now, the interview you're about to hear is also available to watch on our YouTube channel if you prefer. But I know that loads of you have been missing the audio-only content for whatever reason. YouTube's not the best for um, travelling if you're if you're going, if you're driving or you're commuting to work. So I know that you've been missing it. Namely, uh, Paul McCabe, Lorna Love, Susan Souter have been missing the audio-only podcast. And this one is too good not to hear. It's a fascinating interview. It has already been on YouTube. So it's recorded a few months ago. So there might be a couple of bits and bobs that are a bit out of date. But it's too good not to release as an audio podcast because I know that some of you, this is the only way that you listen to, you call that radio content. Uh, absolutely true legend, recorded live from Spain. This is Martin Youth Glover on You Call That Radio. You call that radio. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, an absolute honour. Hopefully you can hear me. Youth, can you hear me? Yeah, man. How you doing? I'm very well, mate. Thank you so much for doing this. How's it going, Mark? I'm very well, mate. I'm very well. I'm, uh, I'm a wee bit jealous that I'm not in Spain right now. 
Because yeah. I know the I know the area that that you're in, man. The mountains. I've got a friend that lives down that area. So yeah. I've been in holiday a couple of times down to that that side, just from the the uh-huh. south, right, right, all the way up to Granada, kind of thing. It's a beautiful part of the world. Yeah, God's back garden, beautiful. Yeah, Amazing. yeah, very lucky to be a yeah, pitch myself. And, and how's how's things over there? Is it just sort of largely as normal? Um, it's a lot more as it as as old normal was yeah. than the the UK. I was back in the UK for a few weeks in July. And that was a bit weird. That was really weird. I could feel the fear and the paranoia, confusion, all that. And uh, I mean, there's, there's you get that here, but people are more confident in what the government authorities are telling them to do, and people do it. And it's they have a much better way of locking down and stuff here than you see in London or something like that. Still, they've had a knocking here as well, so it's been there's been a lot of fear and stuff here. But I feel a lot more, a lot more comfortable and safe here for sure. Yeah, brilliant man. And is, what are you working on just now? I just wrapped up a session with uh, Bricks from the Fall. I've been writing an album with her in lockdown without even meeting her, and uh, and when I went back to London in July, I did a few days with her there. Then we did some more writing, and she's been out for the last week. It's got quite punk rock, great song. Mm-hmm. And then um, for the finale of that, I've had um, Nick Launay, the 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 famous producer from Public Image and uh, early Second Killing Joke album, has been uh, in the area, and he came up with Shabon Far. Fahi from Shakespeare's sister and Banana Rama. And she did some backing vocals for Bricks. And then we, then we just uh, did a bit of writing for, with me and Bricks and her and Nick. And that was, uh, that was a really great experiment. And prior to that, I've had um, other productions. I was, I'd started um, uh, some work with Peter Murphy before lockdown. We were doing a bit more afterwards, although I don't know if I can talk about that because that hasn't been announced. <laughs> but um, <laughs> then I was doing some work with some Spanish artists here, um, and uh, and that that that's been great as well. And uh, yeah, it's it's been the last six weeks have been really busy, which is amazing because nobody's doing anything in London. I mean, I can't even get a meeting in London, let alone a session. So, yeah, so, so I'm Zooms, it's all London. Zoom meetings and stuff. Well, I'm going back to London next week, but people won't do meetings in London, they just do Zoom chats, and there's no sessions really happening. No one's doing anything, nobody wants to get on a bus or a tube or anything. So, London's shut down, the music business is shut down. Um, but I haven't shut down, I've been more busy than I've ever been. I'm just Knocking them out. And in, in uh, lockdown, I was here on my own. It was fantastic. I could just, you know, really indulge my own delights and, you know, no artists. Um, although I was writing for artists like Bricks, uh, but I didn't have them here. I, and I could, you know, choose my times. And I did a lot of music for myself. And I had a really great lockdown here. It's amazing. Well, that's, uh, I mean, I think that we'll. I've been busier than ever as well. Obviously, the the live event side of thing was completely shut down, so I just yeah. kind of switched 
did this and I've been doing this most nights since lockdown began. Right, well so, done. So it's been kind of taking up a lot of time, but it has, yeah. it's been hard to try and find the time to do, to do the music. And I have finally got my own recording set up here, but yeah. I, I'm used to working with other, you know, with producers in real, in real time. So just yeah. kind of getting used to that, the sort of the strangeness, the, the silence that goes with, you know, is it a good take or not? Because you can't really bounce off someone else. I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> you, you like, you prefer that? I've been really, I've been really enjoying not having like uh, other artists or producers. I oh, know your ears, no. But I must admit, yeah, after a while, you're like, oh, I might mean, just stoned or what? But no, <laughs> I've, I've really enjoyed it, um, and I found it really easy to, you know, make the tracks I wanted to make. And uh, but it's been, I've been working with long-serving team of engineers recently here and that's been a joy as well seeing how they take my sort of rough diamond backing tracks and then blow them up explode them into these beautiful things it's incredible space 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 mountain did that did that festival go ahead this year no no way no no (laughs) (coughs) so is that is that was that was that was that quite a nice because obviously there must be so much work that goes in, into that festival. Yeah, well, we'd already done a lot of work when we just announced it before lockdown happened. So, yeah. Um, but in a way, it's a bit of a relief we're not doing it. I did, uh, I did, you know, offer people that have wanted to travel and book places if they wanted to come, I'd do a private party. But nobody wanted to do that. Nobody wanted to travel. It's like the football. You know, they're letting like about 10,000 people into the football at the moment. Um, and the rest is televised. But, you know, they can't even sell out those 10,000 tickets. You'd think people would be queuing up for them. But people, I, don't, I think, I sense people don't really want to fly or go out or do anything like that. They're all, you know, at home thinking they're going to die if they do that. So I can't see that changing for a year or so, you know. Well, I think I think a lot of people are just kind of just sort of accepting now that winter's nothing's going to happen this winter, and people yeah. are just wanting to sort of hunker down, buckle up, batten down yeah. the hatches, and just right. hopefully come out in the spring and things will be some sort of normality by then. I doubt it. I mean, I, we were going to put the festival off till spring, and then we just thought, oh, that's pointless. We won't do it till next next October, and I think. That's all sensible because there are big festivals already. I know that we're going to postpone till next June. That are already now not going to be able to do that. So Easter's a bit early, I think. Spring, um, as much as I'd like to see it happen, I don't think the public confidence will be there somehow. Well, just I suppose it is. Just is there any point in making big plans at the moment for anything? You know, you can't really. You can't even plan what's happening next week. You know, you can't even book a restaurant ahead if you don't know if it's that. Crazy, if, will it? restaurants be legal next week? You just don't know. I know. I know. I'm supposed to be going back to London um, in a few days. I'm not even sure if that's going to happen if they have another lockdown, um, or if I really want to go back there because it's pretty grim. All my friends in London tell me it's really grim. So, but I, um, I don't know. I, I'm still making plans to do records next year and. Uh, do some writing with Killing Joke and things like that. And, you know, if it doesn't happen, we just put them back a bit, I suppose. But meanwhile, I'm just taking the time, 
you know, lockdown was quite, it was real nice leisure time for me. I haven't, I haven't stopped for the last 40 years. So it was really good to have permission to stop. But I didn't stop. I, I kept going a little bit, but I just managed my time a lot better. And I put in a lot more leisure time reading and um, watching crap Netflix and things I wouldn't normally do. And that was great. But now the last six weeks I've been back at the rock face, hammer and tong, and uh, I'm looking forward to a bit more leisure time again, I suppose. But I've really enjoyed working with the artists. It's been great, real life-affirming buzz. And you're, you're in totally the right place for this kind of lockdown. You've got your studio there. You're in, yeah. you're in God's garden, as you say. Yeah. I think, that, I think, I mean, I think that everybody who's sort of creative who lives in the city... You know, I've never really had many. I've always, always, always imagined, especially when I went up to the, the Spanish mountains and stuff, I was like, you know, that's something that I would like to go live further down the line. But being stuck in a city, you know, Glasgow's an amazing city for music. There's always loads of stuff happening. But when there's just nothing happening, you're like, I would rather be in the sunshine or just in the countryside or something. Because without the live music, it's a totally different place. Wow. Yeah, it is. I mean... Live music, they have little pockets of live music here on terraces and restaurants, a bit of flamenco. Um, and there's been a few people doing that, and I've done that a little bit, and that's been nice because you know, without music and the arts, it's nothing really. What's the point of having a life, you know? Um, so I've got to find a way of being able to do that. That is still a vibe, but it's safe, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, we have to tackle a government that is completely out of touch with reality. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure it will will bounce back eventually. And people, I I reckon now in the next year, people are going to make a lot of uh, focus on making a really good record again. Um, music's still really important, isn't it? Doing shows like this and doing live broadcast and DJ streams that that's been really that's helped me and a lot of people get through the 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 lockdown you know yeah absolutely man and i'm just um my mate kenny who stays he stays in l l i'm sorry if my pronunciations are a bit off here el hido is that right where's that near here uh, yeah el el hido it's um ali Ali Merimar is the wee beach down the marina. Oh, in Almeria. Yeah, so down there. Yeah. And then nice. um, Tabernas is the desert where um, we, we shot yeah. a music video in, down there. We, 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 I was just on holiday, but it was, yeah. it was like a, an abandoned desert. And I think they filmed a lot of, uh, I don't know what they filmed exactly. Spaghetti but. Westerns, yeah. Spaghetti Westerns, that's the one, mate. Yeah, so we, yeah. But as soon as I got there, I was like, I was supposed to be on holiday, but I had my, my iPhone with me and I was like, no, I need to just mime some words because this is cool. This is a an amazing place to be. And um, yeah. and um, the house was actually... Because the reason was just, we were just talking about the flamenco thing, I was in a house in the middle of nowhere, like Sierra Nevada National Park, eh, Las Al Pujaras and El Golcho. El Golcho. Uh, yeah, Al Pajara, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Sorry about my pronunciations. In the middle of nowhere, man, having a... A quiet time, and I was woke up to a, a um, like a, a march. There was people, a brass band <laughs> woke me up in the morning, which is a really nice surprise just to see. Like a, a, a I think it was just like a local sort of village uh, thing going on there as well. But it was it was a it was a lovely place, man. Great, yeah, I love it. It's the people are beautiful, and the, 
the nature is fierce here, man. I'm surrounded by sort of the ravines and mountains, forests, deserts. It's it's like a dream here. It's fantastic. And, you know, what I've been doing in lockdown is really reconnecting with nature and the cycles, the seasons, and um, and the nature here is phenomenally powerful. It's like, whoa. So that, that I think, I think, a lot of creators will be leaving the cities yeah. and finding um, a more sustainable, natural. And like you said, that's the, that's the beauty of the the fact that touring is off. Is that a lot of bands, a lot of successful bands, they're constantly chasing their tail in respect that they are they are promoting an album and then they're trying to write an album on the fly and then it's time to make more music. So I mean, I think that it's, it's a very real chance that twenty twenty one is going to be an incredible year for new music because all these talented people that are having to work 24-7 have just been forced into just thinking and maybe reflecting on what it is they're doing and what they could do differently. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. We've got some comments coming in. We've got uh, Buddha's asking, what book are you reading just now? Oh, I've just finished... um, I've been going through a load of Raymond Chandler. You know, um, a bit. Uh, what I love about Chandler is it's kind of pulp fiction, but it's incredibly well written. So every paragraph, there's a line or a few words he puts together that blows my mind. A, a cute, amazing, descriptive abilities. And great to just take my mind off what's going on through lockdown or whatever. Really just wanted to plug into another world with, with my fictional reading. And Chandler's done it. And I, when I went back to London, I brought back a whole load of other ones. I just finished The Little Sister, this one, which I really recommend. It's got so many twists and turns. And I was, funny enough, my mother, who lives in Barcelona, was talking about Chandler on her the phone today she's been reading him a lot she says and i agree you can finish a book and three months later read the same book and it's like another book there's so much in there and then i've been reading uh this one isabel aliande um a long petal of the sea which is uh another amazing but one of my famous favorite writers uh chilean south america does what they call a magical realism in her fiction. In that Gabrielle Marquez, Thousand Hundred Years of Solitude vein, um, and Murakami, the Japanese writer, he does that sort of thing. They're quite ordinarily written, but then they're imbued with all this like really supernatural, magical stuff. Incredible. And uh, I've been watching a lot, a lot of Herzog movies and... Um, and other things that, you know, that really stimulate my uh, creative imagination. Um, and, you know, and I've, also, I've also been doing a bit of writing as well. So, I mean, that's been great. Um, you, you know, that like, as well, just, when you're, just, by, just by reading a book, it just gets the, the cogs turning. And... That's right. If you want to be a great writer, you've got to read great books. <laughs> if you want to be a great songwriter, you've got to listen to great songs. They go together. You... When I hear a great record, I want to make a, a great. I want to make a great record when I hear a great record, and uh, it's the same with a book. When I'm reading a great book, I want to sort of write a book. It's weird, but yeah. Have you ever thought about writing a book? 
okay, yeah, I've got two or three on the go. It's the concentration, the concentration of of finishing. Yeah, discipline, discipline, discipline. Well, I, was listening, I, I was listening to a podcast you did. I think it was uh, the the Druid Cast podcast or something. Uh -huh, and it, yeah. it, you you were talking about. I thought it was a really interesting thing you were talking about the 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 discipline meets the rebellion and how both are just as important as each other but they can also they can clash as well discipline unlocks creativity that is the sad truth of the matter yes yeah, we'd like to think we could just recline on our bohemian persian cushion and rug and instant genius would fall in our laps on a silver plate you know with a a nice uh hash shisha pipe but it does well sometimes <laughs> it does but most of the time you you gotta you gotta work you gotta you, not work because it's beautiful but you've gotta do the work and listen to the great music watch the great movies read the great books and then it will come through you um and then it will inform you and then you'll be able to do it yourself and maybe even climb that little ladder up to greatness. And you know, that's why. And normally I'd say, okay, in two weeks I'm going to start writing and I'll do two hours in the morning every day for two weeks. And I'll do that. And that's how I get I have just haven't done that for six months. I was doing a fair bit of writing in lockdown, though. So I've, yeah, I, know, I, do, I, do, I can't complain because I do a hell of a lot anyway. But I know how, how much else I could be doing but at the same time, I don't want to be this workaholic. You know, I like, I like, and that's the great thing with the reading and the books and the movies. It's like you can chill out, but you kind of got to be paying attention to get the gold, you know. It's, uh, I think it's bang on. When it comes to writing, I've always noticed that even if I'm not feeling particularly inspired, just by forcing myself into writing something, and it's not don't 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 make it that it has to be amazing. Just write a thing, and then just right. force force myself to write as much as possible every day, just even for a, a little bit of time. Yeah, and it means right. that when the good right. idea comes, when the good idea arrives, you're yeah. match fit, you're ready, and right. then it all exactly, just... exactly, exactly. You know, the writer's way, Julia Campion. That was a good book for me about getting the discipline. Another good book for that is sorry. The, what was uh, that? What was that one, man? The writer's way, or the uh, the artist's way, and then she did the writer's way. Yeah. Um, and then the best one I've read, I think, is uh, the War of Art, not the Art of War, the the War of Art. The War of Art, oh, cool. Uh, every artist should read that book. That's amazing. That's about identifying and removing all your clever um, uh, techniques that you use for avoiding the work. <laughs> it's very good, very good. Well, that's it. Sometimes you, uh, as an artist, you're, you're trying to create something so clever that nobody can understand it. You've missed the point. Yeah, You've missed the directness yeah. of what the message is meant to be. And I was actually yeah. wanting to ask you as well that it was a, the obviously you did three albums with Paul McCartney, and yeah. it, it was, it's quite interesting to see that it was like he was almost sort of quite intimidated at the the process at the beginning. Because you were sort of sort of trying out different things with him. Well, he's a, he's a great artist, and he, he 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 to his credit, he was up for the challenge. I mean, a lot of artists wouldn't, you know, be up for that. <laughs> They'd run a <laughs> mark. What are you talking about? I'm Paul McCartney. I don't need to do this. That's right. This that's thing. Right. That's right. But I think 
I think, you know, great artists are fearless and they're not afraid to, you know, jump, especially if they're confident with who they're with. So, you know, we had a good, we had a really great rapport, really. And, you know, I was there to be challenging for him, but, you know, I, uh, I think um, do it in a respectful way. <laughs> Hopefully it's okay, you know. <laughs> so, Sway, so like, that's quite a good thing to ask you, probably. So, like, so if someone is... Because there's lots of artists that tune into this show, so if someone is suffering from writer's block, what's maybe some of the techniques are you talking about with the beat poetry type, cutting out certain words? Um, I, I think you said you brought paintings into it. Just is anything yeah. sort of along that line that you would like to tell people about? Well, again, I think it's so easy as a writer or an artist to say, oh, I'm not inspired today. You know, just I'm not feeling. But what I'm interested, I've read a lot of Colin Wilson is a great writer and his whole thing on his books is finding the uh, peak experience and being able to flip it on and off whenever he likes rather than stumbling into it. And I've kind of explored that a lot. So I think, yeah, when you're in the flow, you can just turn that inspiration on. Saying you're not inspired is another, uh, you know, uh, it's another uh, avoidance technique. but maybe you aren't inspired. Maybe you feel you've got nothing to say, but that's probably because you're not reading anything. So, you know, what I'll do with McCartney, a lot of artists, I'll bring poetry down. I'll bring books that blow me away, uh, quotes or whatever, paintings, um, art, you know, and we'll discuss that. And in the discussion of it and reading of it, and the ideas will emerge, and I'll suggest just take a one word from each page, and and put that together as a, a sentence. And then we'll we'll do that again. We'll maybe get three sentences, and I'll say, well, let's cut those up, throw them in the air, and put that see where they land. And you know, like what I do is try and create a space that allows things you don't expect to happen. You know, so I use a lot of like random things like whether it's tarot cards or you know burroughs's cut up technique or stealing poetry or stealing ideas from picasso paintings or whatever it doesn't matter by the time those are there just to get your wheels turning and once your wheels are turning by the time you're down the road they kind of fall away and the work becomes uh original i suppose or unique but i think the one of the best ways to start work is to copy and steal and do it you know absolutely with passion and love and yeah if you do that you you you'll always end up on your feet and uh, just on the the subject of art eternal mental saying hey youth shows your paintings he did mention earlier on that he's a massive fan of your your paintings do you have I've any to hand? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got some drawings here. Let me show you these first of all. Um, these are these ones are quite old actually, um, but these will become paintings. A lot of these drawings I do are like sketches for paintings. Um, that's a, that's a fairly recent one actually. Um, that's uh, basically this one is a, a lot of images from different punk singles, um, but oh, I put cool. them together in their own narrative. Um, this figure is Jeanette Lee from Public Image Sleeve. 
That's Viv Albertine from The Slits, from the cut album sleeve. That's Grace Jones. Uh, I seen Grace Jones in Brixton last year, man. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah. She's amazing, isn't she? Um, and then this one I did with the London, South London Arts Lab the other night, which is an arts lab I co-founded. Oh, and cool. we meet every week um, on an online Zoom thing. And we have a theme. With this one's theme was music. But every week we change the theme and people just sit at home and paint or draw or do digital collages or anything they like. Um, I've been doing a lot of pencil drawings in these sort of like school notebooks. But again, wow. I think these are all going to be large paintings at some point. Um, maybe, who knows, I don't know. But I'm just setting up an art studio here. That's another one. And then, um, yeah, that's a sort of Beardsley-inspired one, I think. Um, and then uh, the paintings, yeah, I've got a couple of paintings here. These, uh, this is some just basic abstract sort of expressionist ones, basically. Fantastic. Um, that's more like a skyscape. I think these are going to be backgrounds and I'm going to do vigorous work on them um, because I've been doing that in lockdown. I've been doing paintings, of, uh, starting with the abstract and then going more figurative. But um, who knows? Once I get the art, the art studio set up, I'm going to uh, experiment a lot and do a lot of different things. I've got a few artist friends here who can help. I want to do some ceramics and things like that and add plaster and clay to the canvas and, yeah, have fun, get messy. I, I, I heard you saying that you did, uh, you like to do sketching when you're travelling because obviously yeah, that's, a, that's, journal, a, that's yeah. a big thing for people that are artists. Are obviously people hate the travel and the touring, but you said there is a positive side, just getting that that time just to, to do some sketching and have, have nothing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when you're touring and stuff and traveling, there's always a lot of dead time. So having a journal or notebook to put down ideas and sketches is uh, invaluable, really. Well, I mean, I've, right. not, I don't, I've certainly not been touring at any level you have, but when, even when I'm just, I've got such a busy life of constantly organizing stuff or playing gigs or just just constantly online or you're just busy all the time. So I do think it is quite nice just to get on a plane and listen to an audio book and have your notebook out because there's literally yeah. nobody, nobody, your phone can't ring in the aeroplane. Mm. <laughs> That's right. A message from Alan Bissett, who's a fantastic writer himself, man. He was on the show last week. He says, mate, you did an absolutely amazing job on Pink Floyd's The Endless River. Easily their best album since The Wall and you made a huge difference to that. Thanks very a much. A brilliant very album, common. man. What is it? What is it like? I mean, you obviously you go way back with with Pink Floyd. Well, I, I'm listening to Pink Floyd when I was twelve, you know, endlessly. Yeah, you know, so well, that is was, it, was a that real... a dream come true, man? I mean, obviously Pink Floyd was yeah. a huge band influencing me growing up through school. Yeah, I know. I couldn't even dream of working with a band like that or people like Paul McCartney and stuff. Um, but it's been an amazing trip to do that. Um, 
and I was at school with Alex Patterson with the Orb. We were both listening to metal together and endlessly, and both ended up working with David Gilmore and on the Metallic Spheres album. Yeah, I mean, those are. It's like stepping into the pages of a mythical book or something, and suddenly it goes, you know, Herman Hess or something. It's amazing. And how, how long did the, the process take for the Endless River? Hmm. Well, I mean, a lot of the recordings I was started with were made in the early 90s. So, I mean, it, it, um, and Rick had just died, so we were, we were taking a lot of his keyboard parts and doing new things with them, things that had outtakes that had never been used and stuff. Uh, Phil Manzanera had been on it uh, three, four years before I got involved. And then I was on it, it was another year, a couple of years, um, getting it wrapped up and doing more recordings and adding to it. But a great honour and a privilege to work with those guys. And it was actually only after doing that album I thought, actually, I can really call myself a producer now. <laughs> Prior <laughs> to that, I've always felt myself as a bit of a fraud, you know, and I'm self-taught. And even though I had loads of success, I couldn't see myself in the sort of same league as John Hammond and, uh, you know, some of the the... George Martin and some of the big producers I really admire who I really consider as producers. I'm mean, funny today because everybody's a producer today with a laptop, aren't they? But, uh, you know, it took me to actually work with Pink Floyd before I could say, yeah, I'm a producer. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's incredible to hear just that, that sort of, that everybody, because obviously to, to me and everyone who else is watching this, just I rate you as one of the greatest producers um, in the world. And, it's just funny, just the, the self-doubt of an artist just sort of doesn't seem to go away, unless you work with Pink Floyd, obviously. That, that's, that, which, well, that, that can fix it. Yeah, obviously I've got huge insecurities. That's why I've worked so fucking hard. And done so many projects, you know. There's um, a lot of projects, man. I, I was trying yeah. try and research everyone that comes on the show and just try and soak up all their art before it. And it's just, you've just done so much. It's impossible to catch up yeah. with it all. Yeah, yeah. It's a big body of work. But, I mean, it's taken that amount of work for me to become who I am and to get really good at what I do and be confident with that. And I've done the work and and, and I've, I've got over most of those insecurities, really. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm lucky. I'm lucky I've, I've, I've found the strength and courage to face that and deal with it and be able to, you know, help artists make some of their best work. So... It's all great. I'm really, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful um, to the universe for for the life I've had. I could never have dreamed it, and uh, I'm, you know, and it's weird because it gets better and better and better. And the last few days, it's just been some of the best times I've ever had. So I, I don't know what that is. I think my basic philosophy is, you know. Live the life you love and love your life and, and love the life you live. You know, that's a Bob Marley quote. But um, I think it's very easy for people to take what they think is the safe route and stay in the boring job and da-da-da-da-da and go for security and da-da-da. But I've always taken risks. And I think with the security route, you end up 45 being, you know, sacked and put on a dump. No one wants to work with you again, you know. So my advice to to create is just to take risks and do what you know make it so wrong it's right <laughs> you know and to be yourself 
and live the life you want to live and do that with love and passion and, and life will love you back. Hasn't uh, absolutely brilliant. And I suppose right now with the, the creative arts, just being an artist just now is risky. And you kind of get the feeling that the media are jumping on the fact that there's, there's a lot of maybe better people who aren't happy in their jobs, who are maybe a wee bit jealous of the artist, who are now jumping on the fact that the Tory government are using words like unviable for for the creative industries. And it seems like yeah. there's a, a, there's, there's, the media is now creating a wee thing. It's like, well, wh why shouldn't you get a job? But I think what they're missing the point is that there was no jobs before the, the virus <laughs> and lockdown, and now there's even less jobs. Yeah, and it's the continuing devaluation of the creative arts, which is the one thing that's actually kept everyone going through lockdown. When the when the going gets really tough, it's the music and the books and the arts that get you through it, not the fucking politicians. And the politicians, they're the ones that are going to have to retrain for other jobs because for them to just dismiss a million people in the UK who work in the creative entertainment arts industries with just a glib retrain is... That's not the people you want representing you, do you? Is it? They're, they're, I, I can't see them surviving for long. I really can't. Um, and also, they, they've been giving big handouts to some of the big agents and so their their banker mates, but they're so out of touch with the. You know, the, the, the most musicians and artists live a life of poverty, absolute poverty, and they suffer that to make the art they they do, and to uh, to be relegated to the bottom of the list of priorities by some Oxbridge-educated politicians who's totally out of a touch, and, and they're just giving billions away to their banker mates. I mean, it's just disgusting, isn't it? I think I just can't see them surviving, and I, I, I really hope they get voted out and and get some people in who actually represent what people want and what what, what, what they are. What they think, what the people think, is is valuable and and important. So, I mean, economically, it makes sense to support the creatives and artists because they're one of the last sustainable industries left, you know. And that's uh, all the UK's really got left going for it. I mean, nobody cares. Nobody goes on holiday to visit a financial district, but billions of pounds come in because people want to go to the UK. They want to go to places like Manchester and London and Glasgow. That's right. The shite weather makes for good music. That's but right. If you take away the, if you take away the, the arts, then what role you got left in Britain? Uh, no, the, the arts won't be taken away in Britain. Britain's, Britain, uh, the, the people in Britain are, are going to do it regardless of what, how bad the government is. Um, and the, those governments will be voted out and other people come in and they will support the arts where they need it. And, uh, well, I sincerely hope so. And if they don't, then we'll find other ways, and I know the public will somehow. Um, so, you know, I have faith that we'll get through it. But, it's yeah, it's going to be a long, tough winter for m most creative artists this year, you know, and uh, the government are doing nothing. It's just yeah. gone. Yeah, I think the virus is just kind of exposed. Anyway, Mark, I'm going to say goodbye. Yeah, I'm going to have to say goodbye. Um, it's been great having a chat with you, but I've got to get on and uh, sort some things out. So thanks very much no for having me on your show. 
and uh, Absolute good luck pleasure, with it mate. Thanks for the good vibes. Thank you very much, mate. Yeah. Thank you. It's been an absolute honour speaking to you, mate. All the best. Cheers. Take care, good man. Next one.